You're listening to Marissa's. This podcast was created for people just like you who share a strong curiosity about the world and have questions about life that often go unasked. Marismus is a laboratory dedicated to exploring dangerous topics and entertaining some serious and strange ideas. Over the next few minutes, you are invited to listen in on a discussion between friends involving a provocative subject that you are unlikely to hear anywhere else. All we've got is a blue microphone, three chords, and the truth. The rest is up to you. Now, if you're ready, then let's go. Good morning, Noah. How are you? Not bad. Good to see you again. You too. You too. It seems like we were just here. Uh, I know. I, I think I like the uh, pattern if we can get into this and uh, start cranking these out. Yeah, that would be good because I, I hear rumors that people like it. That's kind of a bold statement. It's just a rumor. So, um... Introducing today's episode, I think uh, it, it might be a good idea for me to just say it was my decision this time. I was allowed to pick the topic, um, but I punted. And Noah is going to bring the topic today. Um, I understand Noah has been doing some research and some things that interest him. Um, and so I will be today's avatar for the audience. And I literally know a name, and that is all about what we were talking about. So, Noah, with no further ado. Well, the interesting thing is, is I started reading one subject and then it became a rabbit hole. And I'm not even sure what to call this episode because I don't want it to be. Well, we'll cover that in a little bit, but just want to open with this preamble. There are a few things in life that really get me riled up to the point where I go into full rant mode. I think you've known me long enough to. I've been present for some of those rants. One of these is usurped authority. If I didn't elect you or appoint you or agree to your authority, then I need to know how it is you have arrived at the idea that you can control my speech, my thoughts, or my actions. If I have no way to measure or understand your thought processes, then I don't want your interference. I think that's a reasonable request. Sure. I mean, we are all individuals. I mean, there are people out there that are slapping warning labels on things. One of our podcasts even has a warning label on it. There is nothing in that podcast that either has not been proven true or was not true at, at any point. Are, are you saying that the truth is dangerous? Well, apparently we can't have free speech. Oh. well, Which, we which I don't understand why. You are a well-educated person. I'm a well-educated person. Very well capable of making up our own mind about things that have been... We have been lied to about forever. You have lied to me about what science is. You have lied to me about whatever does not fit your narrative. And worst of all, I have no idea who you even are, what your qualifications are. All of that, I humbly resign from. Done. Done with you. Done with all the crap you can try. I will shout from the rooftops what the truth is, no matter what the cost. You have poisoned the well, and you may have the lead, but it is coming apart. You cannot stop the truth. No matter how hard you try, you will fail. All right. On to today's deal. Awesome. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you know why there will never be a coup d'etat in Washington, D.C.? Because they're all on the same team? Because there's no American embassy there. Oh. little CIA humor <laughs> for you. <laughs> all right. That's Ob- good. Obviously, That's this good. is going to be a back and forth. I'm going to ask you questions and things. As I think our avatar for the audience type thing works pretty well. Okay. 
this might be our longest podcast yet. I hope not, but we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Who warned us of the military-industrial complex going forward? I believe that was Eisenhower. That's correct. Dwight David Eisenhower. What I find amazingly ironic is the main reason that we need to be concerned about the military-industrial complex is because of Eisenhower himself. That's an opening gambit that I'll get around to. Hmm. I'm going to give you some names and see if you recognize them. I think that you will recognize most of these. Joseph McCarthy. Uh, yeah. Alan Dulles. Uh, I've heard the name. Don't know a whole lot about. Okay. Obviously, you know the name John Kennedy. Yes. And I'm not talking about the current senator from Louisiana, but the former president. Correct. Uh, what about uh, Dag Hammarskjöld? Never heard of him. Okay. We'll talk at length about these people. All right. I cannot state definitively, but I believe that the majority of when the U.S. started interfering with things began with Alan Dulles. I am not even going to discuss the MK Ultra project. That needs to be its own podcast. Right. In fact, I will go further to state that the CIA, or that since the CIA was helmed by Alan Dulles, we were not fighting against communism, but rather promoting it. Wait a minute. What? Uh, trust me. I know that that sounds crazy, but I do not believe that the CIA, ever since Alan Dulles was installed, and we'll get to this. Okay. But when he became the head of the CIA, I believe from that point on, the CIA's goal was to promote communism, not get rid of it. Okay. You know the history of the CIA? Uh, no, not really. Okay. It was started during World War II as the Office of Strategic Services. Okay. Uh, as with anything governmental, its intentions were somewhat honest. Now, I'm not talking Guy Fawkes entering Parliament honest, <laughs> but during the war, World War II, obviously, the Army and Navy both had separate code-breaking units. Okay. Insert a witty comment here about uh, putting all your bad apples into one basket, because what they were trying to do is combine that under one deal. No sense in wasting resources on one unit not talking to the other about the code-breaking stuff that they've acquired. Because you have different codes, right, for when you're on water and when you're on land? Sure, but at the same time, you know, the the thing is, is that it's just like today where the CIA, the FBI, the ATF, and Homeland and all of the other deals do not share information. Otherwise, we could probably prevent a lot of things. Uh -huh. And there's probably things that they prevent that we don't know about. There was a previous organization that had been shut down under Secretary of State Henry Stimson under the guise of gentlemen do not read one another's mail. In other words, we don't want to spy on each other. Tell you what, if you want an endless source of power, why don't we go line this guy's coffin with copper wire? <laughs> and him rolling over in the grave at the current situations that we have with spying on American people, I mean, this would get an endless source of power. And, I mean, I don't even think Greta Thunberg or whatever her name is would protest that one. <laughs> uh, By the way, do you know that the CIA will have a milestone birthday this year? Huh, um, okay, World War II is when OSS was formed? Yep. Okay, what's the birthday? The 75th. It was a couple of years after oh. World War II that they rolled the OSS, or Office of Strategic Services, into what became the CIA. Okay. September 18th, they will have their 75th birthday. September 18th. Here's to another 75 years of screwing up the world. Yeah. All right, 1947, the CIA is founded under the National Security Act of 1947. That's an okay. innocuous sounding line. Yeah. From then... Until February of 1953, the CIA was under the Secretary of Defense and run by the military. Okay. Makes sense because of its origins right. coming out of the OSS to this. 
All right, an internal shift happens, and Alan Dulles becomes the first civilian director of the CIA. So who is Alan Dulles? I mean, like, where did he come from? Well, that's the thing is you've more people know his brother, John Foster Dulles, and, and that, who Dulles Airport is named for and things like that. Okay. Um, Alan is one that stayed in the shadows about things, although that they have a similar career. They both became lawyers. They were both well-educated and both career politicians. Did he have any military experience? No, not, not that, not that I'd, I'd really delved into. Do you I'd, know why they appointed him? Well, I think we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Put a pin in him for just a moment. We'll go. Let's go to Joseph McCarthy. Okay. All right. Senator from Wisconsin. What is he well, well known for? Um, McCarthyism. Okay. <laughs> and what is that? Uh, that would be the initially well-meaning anti-communist purge that he crusaded through Congress. Um, it became a witch hunt. Everybody in the world was a red according to Joe McCarthy and they all had to they all had to go because we were protecting democracy okay. and freedom. Uh, history did you very well there. McCarthy only made one mistake, honestly. He just underestimated by about oh 99% of how much the government, colleges and universities and the film industry were infiltrated by the communists. Yeah. McCarthy was very suspicious of the CIA. Me too. And communist subversion. These were his two deals. Okay. So much so that Alan Dulles went to Dwight Eisenhower personally and requested that Eisenhower talk to McCarthy about not subpoenaing the CIA anymore. Okay. Break that down into fifth grade language. Alan Dulles goes to the president of the United States to tell him to go lean on Joe McCarthy to stop asking questions. Asking if they're communists. Not only that, anything to do with the okay. CIA. Okay. But specifically Joe McCarthy. History tells us McCarthy's investigation never revealed any wrongdoing, potentially damaged the effectiveness of the CIA. Kind of what, you know, the same thing that everything's bad about McCarthy. Yeah. Well, except in 2004, there were some documents that were made public. That revealed under Alan Dulles's direct orders, the CIA broke into Joe McCarthy's office and planted subversion and other documents, disinformation, to discredit McCarthy in order to stop his investigations of the CIA. Oh, uh, I believe there's a word for this. Um, hang on. What, uh, oh, treason. Yeah, that that that's uh, put a pin in that one for a moment too. Okay. All right. Let's go visit Dag Hammarskjöld. Again, you you haven't heard this name. I haven't, but I, I can. I hear a German. No, I, actually, he's Swedish. Oh, he, he's okay. a Swedish. Well, that's Germanic, uh, though. Yeah, it, it, it's it is uh, <laughs> definitely Northern European. He was a Swedish economist and a diplomat who was the second Secretary General of the United Nations. Okay. He was forty-seven when he was appointed to this position, and he remains the youngest person to have ever held the position. Now, you know me. I am no fan of where the United Nations has got to today. Right. However, as I was researching Hammerschold, I believe that this man had a vision for where the world needed to go. Most scholars that are unbiased consider him to be the best Secretary General of the United Nations. Okay. In fact, John Kennedy stated after Hammerschold's death, his quote was, I realize now in comparison to him, I am a small man. He was the greatest statesman of our century. Okay. So, Kennedy um, passed in 63. Yes. 
uh, Hammerschult, am I saying that right? Yes. He died earlier than that. Yeah. He was appointed at 47. Yes. So how long had he been the Secretary General of the UN? Um, a few years. Okay. Not not very long. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. All right. In fact, after Kennedy had met with Hammerschold, it is it profoundly changed the direction of that Kennedy wanted to take his presidency. Now, I'm not saying this as an advocate of we got too many old people. Right. Hammerschold's 47. Kennedy's 43. We've got a younger vision yeah. where we're moving at this time. Okay. <clears throat> All right. What this means is this is directly opposite of what Alan Dulles and the CIA need to happen. So both of these men had to die, and die they did. Hammerschold was easy to take out. He was flying to negotiate a ceasefire in the Congo between the UN forces and the Katanganese there under local leadership. His plane was shot down. They say it was just a crash, but overwhelming evidence is that Dag Hammerschold's plane was shot down. Okay. Back up just one second. Sure. You you have you have already essentially implied that Alan Dulles was in opposition to Kennedy and Hammerschult. Yes. Their philosophy for where the world needed to go was more of a uh, Shasta Daisy and Rainbow kind of thing. Yes. And Alan Dulles was what? What was his vision? Well, hang on. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll get to there. All right. So basically, we have not connected these dots yet, but no, you I, are I, laying groundwork for... Alan Dulles somehow played a role in the plane crash that took out the U.N. Secretary General. I'm laying a foundation for things that is in public knowledge. It is out there. It is easy to find about how the CIA has been a subvergent group in the, against this country since its beginning. Okay. All right. Having a free Republic of the Congo was contrary to the wishes of the CIA British MI6, and mining interests tied to Belgium and South Africa. Hmm. Diamonds, maybe? Okay. I mean, what would what would Belgium and South Africa have in common? Huh. Wait a minute. What, what is De Beers? That's that's what I'm saying. Is De Beers is a, a diamond mining corporation. Okay. Belgium is where 90% of, of uh, diamonds are trafficked through the world. Stink. Congo is pretty, pretty rich. Okay. And natural resources. All right. All right. <clears throat> so they shot down the plane with Hammerschold in Africa. I mean, who doesn't die in a plane crash, right? Documents uncovered show that the Alan Dulles stated, and I quote, DAG is becoming troublesome and should be removed, unquote. I also found it very interesting. Former President Harry Truman stated the day after the crash, and again I quote, Hammerschold was on the point of getting something done when they killed him. Notice I say, when they killed him. End of quote from Harry Truman. That was Truman. Huh. I don't think I have enough expletives to accurately convey what a piece of human garbage Alan Dulles was. (laughs) Flat out. The Kennedy-Dulles relationship is very much more involved and convoluted. All right. You asked. Here we go. We'll dig into Alan Dulles here. Yeah. All right. I want to look more at him so I can defend all of the foundation that I'm starting to build. Dulles graduated from Princeton and worked for a company uh, named Sullivan and Cromwell Law Firm. This firm is still around. Hmm. Uh, They've done some high-end stuff. Uh, One of the companies that they did a lot of work for was the uh, Rockefeller Companies. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And the Rockefeller Companies, 
you know, interested in natural resources, things like that. Yes, they are. By the way, the firm is still around. They exist today. Top-notch law and business law. I mean, you can look them up. I mean, they are prime. Big-time things on their resume, such as setting up the financing for the Pinot Mall Canal worldwide. Interestingly enough, Alan Dulles visited Germany in 1935 when he worked for them. What? what? 1935? Yep. And what I say interesting enough is that this is where there are stories that diverge on history. Because there's what the, the story that we're told and there's what actually happened. Right. The official story is he came back, reported the things that were getting very tense in Germany, obviously 1935. And he wasn't quite sure that this was a good thing. At his recommendation, Sullivan and Cromwell closed their offices in Germany. I think they had one in Berlin, and I think they had one in Frankfurt. While they did the appearance of, well, we're closing our offices and walking away from that, they'd already done work for IG Farben and the other companies in Germany so that Germany could acquire natural resources in order to make and build arms. Oh, dude. Raw materials. One of them particularly that they had a nickel contract to be able to get metals. Dulles, while working for Sullivan and Cromwell, became aware of countries of the world which had large quantities of natural resources because this is what they did for the Rockefeller Company. Mm -hmm. One of the things about Dulles is that he tried to make regime change his specialty. Sullivan and Cromwell represented a company called the United Fruit Company. Okay. Do you know this name? No, but it sounds pretty innocuous. Okay. While it was founded in good intentions in the 1890s, the CIA... United Fruit Company, man. The CIA used this company as a front to depose democratically elected president of Guatemala in 1954. United Fruit Company is part of Chiquita Brands now. Ah. This is where the term Banana Republic comes from. Gotcha. I think we've discussed that before, but here's one of the things. Oh, we throw the phrase Banana Republic Mm. around all the time. Understand, And, and rightfully so. The thing is, is that Guatemala had, because of their history, and, and I'll kind of go into that here in a second, Guatemala had a different policy on land ownership and where corporations could own vast tracts of land and things like that. And so, But it, it gave them, I don't want to say like personage, but it gave them a kind of a voting block for how they wanted to do things. So this is how we could be subversive through a government. Because it's kind of like, how can a company be subversive to being able to overthrow a government when there is just plantation workers of bananas. Right. That's is Guatemala's stuff. They're allowed for this. I'm not saying that they're where in the United States, a corporation is kind of a, just a taxable entity. Right. There's, there's a, a little something extra there in Guatemala's law at this time. Yes. Okay. All right. We'll walk through the history of Guatemala just for a moment. They declared independence from Spain in 1821. All right. So from 1821, Fast forward ahead, quote from Dickens, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. You know, stuff happens here and there. We get to the Great Depression. Mm. All right. When we arrive at the Great Depression, obviously this sucks for everybody in the world. Right. Jorge Umbico becomes the leader and was not much better than a dictatorship. This didn't go over well, as you can imagine, you know, not not being wanting to be in a dictatorship. After 13 years in power... The citizens revolted. They had a free election in 1944. Juan Jose Aravalo won the election with 86% of the vote. That's so, a pretty good mark. It, it sounds kind of crazy because of the stuff that we know that we go on, that we know that, we're, that yeah. we sponsor. <laughs> but the, the, apparently he was a well-known, well-liked person. 
His policies and platforms were modeled ironically on much of the New Deal that Franklin Roosevelt had during the Depression. Okay. Arvalo was prohibited by law from running again in 1950. I'm not sure why they set term limits it's so short, but he, he, for whatever reason, he couldn't run again. Oh, okay, okay. So Jacobo Guzman, or Guzman, becomes president and continued many of the previous policies. Things are working great. Let's keep it going. Other policies that were put in place were a minimum wage and near universal suffrage. Okay. Guatemala becomes a democracy. It's maybe a, a left-leaning one, maybe. But the United States does not like this, not one bit. So the CIA launches an operation called PB Success. Where this name came from, I don't know. Whatever. Now, let me grab a parallel thread here for a moment. And boy, the irony in this is rich. In 1952, Eisenhower is elected president, promising to take a harder line on communism. Earlier, we talked about how we have to stop McCarthy from exploring the CIA to root out the communism, but now we have to overthrow a democratically elected president of a foreign country that is instilling policies that we live by day to day in the United States under the guise of, wait for it, communism. Okay, I need some help. What is it that was so bad about this guy and his policies in Guatemala? Well, see, that's this is the problem. Why didn't the CIA not want that to happen? Because they're saying that they don't want communism, but this is what they turned it into. <laughs> I mean, you, I have, you have free elections. You have the people that are, are living under rules that we have every day. In the name of fighting communism, they undermined democracy. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yes. And it became, it became communistic. All right, so maybe we need to define communism. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, what, what makes communism so bad? You and I, both being Gen Xers, raised by boomers or whatever, were taught communism was evil, 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 right? So what is it that makes it so evil? Well, the, the problem is, is that it promotes collective laziness. A, a, a teacher did this in the classroom one time. And he said, okay, everybody's going to get the same grade no matter what effort you put in. And so the A students who, you know, put in their great effort and then the C students didn't put in, you know, put in their typical effort. Some people didn't put any effort at all. And everybody gets a B minus. And so then the next time the A students are like, well, I'm not going to work as hard because I didn't get rewarded. And the C students are like, well, I don't have to work as hard because I didn't. And then by, by the second time that everything comes around, nobody does any work and it fails. Yeah. I mean, but the idea of the collection is that you don't own anything. And that I can just make my way out on your land or your house or, or what was your house. It sounds great on paper that you have resources that you can share with me. I have resources that I can share with you. I just wonder if, if Joe McCarthy and the CIA were so adamant that communism needed to be fought, it needed to be stood against, what were they afraid of? Well, I think that there's there's a multiple level of this. Okay. Is, well, we don't have to talk about that. That's no, another no, no, subject. No, no, it's no, just, no. Let's just, I, I, we can put a pin in that too if you want. We just no, say, look, I, I, something I, about communism had everybody freaked out back then. I, I'll say it, it's this. At, at the time, three groups of people in the world at this time are fighting for power. United States, Soviet Union, China. Okay. Not much has changed here. No. I mean, we just don't call it Russia now instead of Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Two of those are communist. Mm-hmm. One is more socialistic than it is communist, but we have free United States. Sort of granted but for this example we're we're far to the right side of the equation where you have two to their far to the left okay and so we're still fighting this so i think on the on the level of for appearances sake 
the CIA and the U.S. government are having to fight against China and Russia because it's not actually against their systems. It's it's a world dominance thing, but without trying to fire a shot, which is why we have the Cold War issues that come up and things like that. Okay, so in essence, we're not really threatened by them. We just want to be top dog. I think that that's part of it. The other thing is, is that uh, what's the easiest way to win? Is it easier for me to come in and dominate you, or is it easier for you to fall apart from the inside? Well, yeah. And and if if it's, I, I'll give you an example. When in in boxing or MMA, you see a guy playing defense and he puts his hands up in front of his face. Okay, you're not going to be able to stand there and have your defense up the whole time because even if you're getting punched in the gloves, you're still hitting yourself in the face. So what you want to do is do something subtle is whenever somebody throws a punch, you just want to barely tap it to move it out of the way to keep you from getting hit with it. That way you're not getting hit with your own glove mm-hmm. and you're not getting hit with their punch. And that allows you to counter because it shoves them off balance a little bit. It's like you throw a punch at me. You don't want to reach out and catch it and stop it. You just want to just deflect, deflect it a little bit. Yeah. So going in and doing something massively subversive is going to draw a red flag. Kind of like blowing up Nord Stream. Exactly. But you don't want to do that, so suddenly you just want something else to happen. It's like, oh, you just, you know. Yeah, plane crash. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even though there's a large gaping hole where the missile went into it, but, you know. Right. We can cover that up. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm following you. Okay. Well, I mean, again, at any time, feel free to stop. All right. But Guatemala was icing on the cake. See, we'd already done this. We'd done this in Iran with an operation called Operation Ajax. Get this. Overthrow of a democratically elected president in Iran. Mohammed Masadage, I believe is his name. So the United States could install Mohammad Reza Pahlavi. Became the Shah of Iran. Their family ruled until the 1979 overthrow. Why did we have to do this? Rumors, of course, of a Soviet takeover of the country and, you know, stop the spread of communism. Was there any substance to those rumors? Well, let's... I mean, was it a legit effort or did they just jack around with the election and bad things happen later? Well, let's let's go on to something. I'm not trying to dodge your question here, but one of the things that I, I was always taught is, all right, let's look at the facts over here. And then let's look at the results over here. Okay, that's fair. Just just an aside, there are several places in the world that really, really do not like the United States. I can't imagine. One of them is Latin America. Okay. Another is Southeast Asia. Another is the Middle East. Man, I just can't figure out why. (laughs) Can you? I am seeing a pattern. I mean, (laughs) mean, wait, I I haven't even unloaded the stuff on Southeast Asia yet. Okay. All right, let's go back to 1961. We have to get rid of Fidel Castro, who's 90 miles away, because, of course, communism. There were several attempted assassinations of Castro. They all failed. Under the Eisenhower administration, they came up with the plan for what would be the Bay of Pigs invasion. Two-phase deal. One a ground assault, one an air assault, or supported. Under Eisenhower. Under Eisenhower is where the plan came from. Gotcha. All right. A large foreign policy failure. Everyone knows this. Everyone's taught this. Massive failure. And it comes apart because Kennedy refused to send in air support. Is what we're taught. 
Okay. We sent the, the ground troops in and everything like that. Complete disaster. I don't want to visit, spend a lot of time revisiting that whole fiasco. But obviously this drove a wedge between Kennedy and Dulles. This is how big the divide was. As Kennedy stated, he would splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it into the winds. Why did he say that? Because the CIA subversion is what caused the Bay of Pigs to fail. Kennedy fired Dulles from being the head of the CIA. One thought about this. Dulles was so treacherous, he didn't bother to tell Kennedy that the Soviets knew the date of the Bay of Pigs invasion and had informed Castro more than a week in advance. The bottom line is Alan Dulles knew that the invasion was going to fail. He went forward with it anyway, trying to force Kennedy's hand into escalating the situation. He then blamed Kennedy. And again, I think this falls under the treason word. Oh, shoot. Okay, so, I mean, I've heard of the Bay of Pigs, you know, yeah. but that was before I was alive, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> sure. Well, the thing is, is, is it's kind of weird. This is one of the things of where... People try to take apart John Kennedy. All right, you know, we've got a young man, youngest man ever elected president. We have a Catholic for the first time. These are things that that were talked about at the time. And I remember having discussions with my parents about this, about, you know, why was Kennedy so divisive? Right. And, again, I don't know where along the way that him meeting, you know, Dag Hammarskjöld affected things or anything like that. Because, I mean, Kennedy was obviously someone of privilege. Right. But he also had a blue-collar side of him. And, and I'll cover that in, in just a little bit. You know, the, the media that we have now will not report on anything that is negative to the left. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is almost a subversive media. There's no doubt in my mind. And so the thing is, is that Kennedy was, for lack of a better phrase, I mean, he was their Obama yeah. at this time. Yeah. But this is one of the few things, the Bay of Pigs is something that is that is there to, to knock him down a little bit. Right. When I don't think he had anything, I mean... Obviously, he's the commander-in-chief. He's making the call. But there was a reason why he saw something that didn't execute the plan and didn't follow through. I, I don't know what that is. So just to recap what happened then, Alan Dulles, head of the CIA, had this plan to go in and do something to take out Castro. Yes. And this military um, excursion uh, operation was planned but somehow the Soviets found out about it. Yes. Somehow. And Alan Dulles knew the Soviets knew about yes. it. Yes. The CIA was well aware. And they were well aware of the fact that had they known, the Soviets probably would do something about it. Correct. So they were going into the operation knowing the enemy was aware of them and this was probably going to go sideways. Yes. And Alan Dulles apparently was hoping it would go sideways to force Kennedy into doing something to escalate it further. Yes. Because Alan Dulles wanted a war? I, I don't know. I, I, that's the only thing that, that the conclusions that I can draw is that's the only thing it leads to. Okay. So, so, but Kennedy, though, held his conviction. Yes. And did not allow it to escalate. So and, instead and I, exposed the rot that was Alan Dulles's management of the CIA. And I think that there's a reason why that Kennedy did this. And I'll, and I'll get to this in, in coming up. Okay. When something profound, it doesn't have to be a near-death experience, it, it can be, but when something dramatically happens to you, it causes you to reevaluate your decision-making. 
And so this uh, not event, quite a Paul on the road to Damascus. I think it happened before that with Kennedy. Type thing. Okay, you think Kennedy but, was already on that path? He had already yeah, had I, that experience. I, I think that, I think that he was kind of teetering, and then I think that him meeting Hammerschild kind of says, you know what, we have a chance to do this instead of doing this, and we need to go this way and not that way. Okay. But Dulles wanted to go that way. Yes. Dulles wanted conflict. Yes. Okay. Military-industrial complex. Right, because... Not like anything we see today, right? Well... Afghanistan, Iraq, Ukraine. I mean, the playbook is tired. Our whole lives have been this. Do you know, honestly, that since Kennedy was assassinated, I believe that we, the United States has not been at war for only like 16 months. You know, it's funny. I heard Putin say something similar to that or one of his mouthpieces say yeah. not that long ago. Um, that, yeah, in, in the last pretty much 80 years, we've we've spent a total of months not in a war somewhere in the world. Correct. Yep. And All so right. it makes perfect sense that Dwight Eisenhower would say what he did because he was fully aware of it. Yes. It was already installed. Yes. And we hold him up as a hero, but maybe he was the one that was... No, he might have been winking at us the whole time he was talking. Exactly. (laughs) All right. I want to get back to truly how evil Alan Dulles is. All right. That sounds fun. I wish I could figure out who's pulling his strings. Maybe it's the law firm. Maybe it's the Rockefeller people. maybe Maybe it's his own machinations. I don't know. But there's no way in my mind that he could have thought of this all on his own. I mean, even though he's Princeton educated, lawyer, been in the government service, I just, I'm not seeing that. All right. Let me add the final piece of the puzzle here. Okay. Do you know the fourth largest country by population in the world? Fourth largest? Okay, I'm going to add another clue to this. Hmm. It's also the 14th largest by area. And one last clue. It is, lastly, it is the largest archipelic state. I'm referring to Indonesia. I never would have guessed that. Most people wouldn't because we don't think of this. Indonesia. I mean, you think of Kuala Lumpur, okay, and you think of the the, the, the architecture. The, yes. Yep. All right. Indonesia was colonized by the Dutch East India Company and was a colony of the Netherlands for well over three hundred years. They were invaded during World War II by Japan, and not long after the surrender of Japan, Indonesia declared independence. Okay. So we're talking October of forty-five. It's not officially recognized until nineteen forty-nine. So for four years, they're kind of in limbo. Mm-hmm. It can be convincingly argued that Indonesia was the most successful and productive, lucrative colony ever established, which is why the Dutch wanted to hold on to it and held on to it for 300 years. They didn't really want it to have its own independence. As stated previously, Dulles worked for Sullivan and Cromwell, learned countries with abundant resources. Indonesia fits this bill. Yeah. It's also not really politically stable. As we said, we're not really, we're not recognized. Indonesia's still trying to find its footing. Just to give you an idea, it's a large area of islands. It's basically the same distance from South Florida to Alaska is what this covers. Oh, shoot. At the time, the United States is looking at issues in Southeast Asia. Obviously, Indonesia is not far from Southeast Asia. We've got specific issues in the world happening in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Right. And still, we're 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 in the ni- we're in the late fifties, we're right. or late forties to the early fifties to the early sixties. But you know, communism. 
just by coincidence, did you know that we successfully overthrew the government in Laos in 1958 and in 1959 and for good measure in 1960? Really? Yeah. You got the, a threefer? Yeah. The United States <laughs> also inter- inter- interfered in Cambodia countless times between 1955 and 1970. And Vietnam is the best one. We basically, at the end of World War II, we started messing around in Vietnam. Yeah. 1940, so from 1945. When were the, when, when did we first send troops on the ground? Like, not, not long after World War II. Okay. We, but again, it was sort of like what we're doing in Ukraine. We're sending advisors. Or, I got gotcha. You know, we're not we're not gearing up to fight. No, 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 we no. Slow no, walked no. it. Yes. We we, we yes. just meddled for a couple decades. All right. As we alluded to earlier, it's amazing how we do this. I mean, it's like you you have no idea what I had on my notes here, and you we you brought this out earlier. I'm the avatar. Three groups competing for world supremacy at this time. Uh-huh. United States, Soviets, Chinese. Not much has changed, as we discussed. The same three are still at it. I don't think people realize how close, razor thin close, that the dollar is from becoming the not lo- no longer the world's currency. We're headed to the yuan very quickly. Yeah, but don't tell the boomers because they refuse to accept it. Well, I mean, that's fine. They can refuse to accept it, but I mean... They just cannot imagine a world where the, we are not at the top of the food chain. The, well, because of their actions, that's going to be specifically why we are no longer at the top of the food chain. <laughs> that's something else that they're not going to be able to deal with. I know. All right. Here's the crazy thing. Going back to Hammerschold, he was set to make a major announcement when he returned from Congo. But it wasn't about Congo. It was about the U.N. stepping in to solve the Indonesia dispute between the Netherlands and Indonesia's independence. Oh, dang it. Now, had this happened, it would have destroyed Dulles's carefully laid plans. The CIA had already assassinated the president of the Congo after they gained independence. This was actually investigated in 1975 by the United States Senate, and they found that Alan Dulles was directly involved in that assassination. Did anyone give Alan Dulles orders to Doesn't, assassinate this guy? Well, we'll, 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 we'll get to that in the conclusion. Okay, all right. In the late 50s, cracks were starting to appear in the relationship between Moscow and Beijing. It makes sense. I mean, they are, while they are on the left side of the spectrum, they're not the same. No. It's along the same lines as even though Nazism and fascism are on the same end of that spectrum, they're not going to get along because ultimately you're not a true believer in my government. Yeah. To Dulles, having Indonesia was key to destroying that relationship entirely. The president of Indonesia was a man named Sukarno. Kennedy was a proponent of keeping Sukarno as president. To Alan Dulles, this is the arch enemy and he has to go. Plans are put in place. Kennedy needed an ally in the Cold War in Southeast Asia, and this was Indonesia. We've already got the problems in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Kennedy sees this. Kennedy is thinking that, you know, if we stabilize Indonesia then we may not have further conflict in Southeast Asia. This uh, is Noah's thoughts here. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing that anyone has ever written that I've, I can find about what the process is here. Okay. Because, after all, history is written by the winners. Right. Are we still trying to be charitable about what motivates Alan Dulles? I mean, I, I'm, that's where my mind immediately goes. I think our audience would be going, why does Alan Dulles not want a stable Indonesia? Well, it keeps him in a job. 
until his, until because the, his job is what to sow chaos and discord. No, I mean to break it, things it, and kill people. Well, I mean it, this is the CIA. I mean, again, how how else would the United States gain power without firing a shot? So, do you think it was his game plan that the only stable country in the world could be the U.S.? Everything else had to be in a constant bubbling. That has to be what it boils down to. Okay. Because the, again, the thing is, is that every time that we jacked with somebody over communism or fascism, it only got worse. But listen, that does make sense. I mean, I'm not trying to take uh, no, his side. No, I, but I, if, I, if I were totally thinking in a secular plane, one hundred percent, it does make sense. Like you explained earlier, that it's so much easier to create tumult in another country and let that be what defeats them, than to have to overpower them by brute force. Right. So we just maintain our stability and we constantly sow discord everywhere else. That just keeps the whole world on edge and we look like um, the only kid in the room that did their homework. That is a perfect example. If everyone else is in turmoil, we win by default. Yeah. Now contrast that with Hammarskjöld and Kennedy. Uh huh. What if instead of the United States and the Soviet Union competing to go to the moon, what if we teamed up? Well, what if we actually, what if, I mean, again, I'm not trying to be utopia here. Right. But what if Hammerschold and Kennedy's idea is for the world to unite and instead of trying to be divisive and fall apart and having one country basically rule the world, everybody is equal and we can build better together. Okay. I'm. I am deliberately restraining myself. No, go ahead. Feel feel free to fire away. I just don't know if now's the time. Let's let's keep doing the narrative. But I am, I am thinking. All right. Just as an aside, the Rockefeller companies, through their boys at Sullivan and Cromwell, had discovered in the mountains of New Guinea, part of Indonesia, the world's largest primary deposit of gold. Also, they discovered a record quantity of oil that was free of sulfur. Oh. Which would mean it was much easier to refine and does not need the detailed refining process that we have here in the United States. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Sulfur-free oil? I know. They, they just tripped over two of the most uh, valuable commodities in the world. Right. Which is why now we have to control this. Dang it. Now, let's go back to the U.S. for a moment in, in the position Kennedy is in here. The Bay of Pigs fiasco is all over the place. He's not popular. Here, here's an interesting aside. Just put, and I know where I'm going with this, but I want to ask an interesting question. Okay. Do you know when Kennedy declared that he was running for president in of in the 1960 election? No, I don't. January of that year. Really? January of 1960 is when Kennedy said, "Hey, I'm running for president." Wow. Things Can you imagine having only a, an 11 month campaign? No, I can't. Basically, <laughs> I mean, because I mean, we're already we're, we're not even the 20. We're not three months into. 2023, and we're already getting everybody lined up to run for 2024. Yep, they're already running um, comparison percentages. Yes. In and, and this is twenty. This is 21 months away. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it, it it blows my mind. But anyway, so like I said, you know, everyone was you. You still, if you look back at the things, is you know, it's the Kennedy Camelot. Mm-hmm. You hear you know great things about the Kennedy family and everything like that are being built up. But then Bay of Pigs happens, and it. I don't necessarily know that it it deliberately tarnished him, but the rules of the press now change a little bit, and they're they're dialing Kennedy down. So we're not sure that reelection is even going to be possible. Right. I mean, you know, but, he's running because he's young. 
so what was the media saying about Bay of Pigs? Well, and that's the thing is it's causing his popularity to come down because now we don't see Kennedy as an effective leader. You know, you you want an effective leader. Right. This is why. Prior to the Bay of Pigs, Kennedy was almost universally accepted among yes, the populace. Yes, and well-liked. He was well-liked. And, well and liked, like and that. Was, but then this this thing well, happens. Well, I don't want to say universally accepted. Well, I said almost. Well, I but, but I want to go into the, the, the 1960 election here in just a second. But okay. The, the thing is, is there, there were there are two subversive forces going on here. And I, I don't know. I don't know what to call them or anything like that. But one wanted Nixon, obviously one wanted Kennedy. But I think it's the same people behind the scenes pulling the strings here because they both they got both Kennedy and Nixon eventually. And they both ran him out of office eventually. So I'm not sure there. Yeah. OK. Anyway, thinking about Kennedy at this time, he's not popular because of the Bay of, Bay of Pigs. Re-election is not a guarantee. He doesn't want Southeast Asia to turn into the Bay of Pigs all over again. Right. Early 60s, a rift between Moscow and Beijing is confirmed as legit. Hmm. By the but, CIA. But Dulles does not inform Eisenhower or when the roles change to Kennedy. He doesn't tell either one of them of this fact. Oh, shoot. Kennedy and Hammerschold have conversations about the U.N. stepping into Indonesia to stabilize the area, but this also means that Kennedy would not have to lose a Cold War, Cold War ally in Indonesia by choosing to help their independence, nor would he have to piss off the Dutch, who were a formidable ally in the U.N. Okay. Hammerschold stepping in and solving this issue absolves Kennedy of choosing sides. Right. For the U.S. to capture all of these resources, Dulles absolutely cannot have the U.N. there. Down goes Hammerschultz's plane. Although it does not happen until later in the 60s, Sukarno was pushed aside for another mononym named person, Suharto. Only it wasn't easy. Suharto was backed and directly supported by the United States, obviously. The violent purge against, wait for it, communism between Sukarno's forces and Suharto's forces killed nearly one million people in Indonesia and incarcerated another million people. If you look at the history of Indonesia in the 60s and, and seeing when this is going on, massively, massively tragic time in Indonesia. Was Sukarno a communist? Well, that's what they said he was. Well, I know what they said. But, but he wanted independence. Independence from, from the Dutch. Yes, does not necessarily mean he's a communist. Correct. But we said he was a communist. Well, that's, of course. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. When you only have one trick, then use your one trick. Okay. Man. Kennedy gives Dulles the National Security Medal, November of 1961, 28th day of November. It's the CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. You can look it up and see this picture. And Kennedy gives him some award. The very next day, the White House releases a resignation letter that is signed by Alan Dulles. Really? Now, pause here for a moment. Everything that follows is true can be found with some depth of research. Okay. Some of it is going to sound like pure speculation. And there are many things in here that could be their own podcast. Okay. Drop us a note if you want to hear or further expand on any of these topics. 
Kennedy was killed by the CIA, Dallas, November 22nd, 1963. Some will point to a speech that Kennedy made at the Waldorf Astoria in April of 1961. Others will point to a speech that Kennedy made in, on June of 1963 at American universities as the things that sealed his fate. Both of these are on YouTube. You can read the entirety of the speeches. They're actually pretty brilliant speeches. Unfortunately, his fate was sealed before he was even president. Bottom line is that this accomplished two things. It removed Kennedy from interfering with the CIA, and it set the CIA up to shut down any future president that runs afoul of them. Hmm. Richard Nixon knew this. Tucker Carlson has spoken about this in, in recent months. Nixon had already been screwed over once. There is overwhelmingly compelling evidence that shows that Nixon actually won the 1960 election. But he chose not to throw the country into turmoil and fight it, unlike 2020 right? with Trump saying this or that. I don't know what happened in 2020. Uh, I've got Something qu- happened I have, in 2020. I have questions. Yeah. But I don't know what happened. No, no. In no. 1960. No, Biden is the most popular president in the entire you're you're right. I mean, I, I don't I don't know why. I mean, heck, why did they stop at the United States? I we mean, just well, can't stop loving him. Yeah, I mean, why not stop? Well, he should have just run for president of the world. I mean, he just that's. I hope he does. But Nixon, I, I don't want to say I'm a Nixon apologist, but I think Nixon was a a good and troubled man at the same time. And and I think that I think I probably lost a lot of people saying that. <laughs> but at the same time, is is that I think that that history paints Nixon in one direction when it should not be that necessarily. Oh, you've already said that history is written by the victor. Maybe the thought was that Kennedy would be easier to control than Nixon, which is why they let him do that. So he was appointed. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Anyway, Nixon, when he was president, brought CIA Director Richard Helms to the White House and stated that he knew who killed John Kennedy. And Richard Helms didn't say it worked. The CIA removed Nixon, only they didn't kill him. They just sent people on the CIA payroll to break into the Watergate Hotel rather clumsily in order to get caught so that they could blame Nixon, who eventually had to resign. But they had to make sure that they got Spiro Agnew out of the way first, who was Nixon's original running mate, so that they could get their sync upon Gerald Ford in. I mean, think about it. How does a man that is neither elected vice president or president become president? Hmm. Oh, yeah. And After Kennedy was killed, let, let's let's go back to this. All right. The Warren Commission is created. You've heard of this? I have. Earl Warren, the, the yeah. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, to investigate the assassination. Strangely, though, Alan Dulles and Gerald Ford are both on this committee. How better to protect the CIA and its interests than to have the Fox guard the hen house? Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody's going to say, well, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, this or that. Uh-uh. No freaking way. I mean, I, I don't want to turn this into a JFK, but the CIA killed Kennedy. And all they have to do to any coming incoming president is pull up the Zapruder film and say, this happened to Jack, get out of line, and we'll do this crap to you. I think in our history, and, and let me say this, I think at this time, 1960s, the military-industrial complex is still trying to figure itself out. I mean, we've, we've fought war, World War II pretty well. Our technology gave, I mean, quantum leaps mm-hmm. of technology. 1960, let's look at the election. There's four men on the, the ticket for the major roles. You have John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson on the Democrat side. You have Richard Nixon and Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. 
on the Republican side. All four of these men served in World War II. Kennedy, Nixon, Johnson, all naval, Cabot Lodge, Army. You know, we have four or we have six military forces now, but really at that time we only had two. Right. Marines are still part of the Navy. The best they, they, part of the Navy. They stand alone, but they're part of the Navy. Air Force and Army did not split until after after World War II, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were an aviator for the Army, you were in the Air Force, but it became its own thing. And then, obviously, we've added Coast Guard and uh, Space Force, whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sorry. No. I just keep every, – every time I hear someone say Space Force, I immediately think of, like, a Looney Tunes. Sure. No, I, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand completely. Sorry. One quick aside here. If you want to see something that is complete garbage – Look up Lyndon Johnson's commendation for the Silver Star. That can be its own podcast, but this is a travesty of military awards. Okay. Let's do that. Let's make that a because, podcast. Because basically... Because I'd love <laughs> to talk about some LBJ. The, the general story is is that they went up in... A, I mean, he went up in a plane one day, and they might have got shot at whatever, but he's the only one in the whole group that is nominated and awarded the Silver Star. Right, not the pilots, not the nav- no, no one else in the group. He, gr- in, he in was the, awarded present, <laughs> but he got the silver star, which is one step below the Medal of Honor. Well, heck, let's take a quick break. <laughs> no worries. Um, so I can regain my composure. By all means. Okay. We're back. What my guess is, is that the military industrial complex thought that Kennedy would be easier to control. But when he didn't play ball, he was removed. Johnson comes in, gives them everything they want. U.S. gets involved in Southeast Asia under the guise of communism once again. Yep. They tried again with Nixon. He didn't play ball either. So they selected Ford after they ran Agnew off. And Ford... His only qualification was that he was on the Warren Commission. Well, he, the only his only qualification was being a syncopant. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's like basically he's their lapdog, and you know he'll do whatever they want. Who better to be afraid of the power of the CIA than one who was privy to all of the inner workings of what happened around the Kennedy assassination? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. The thing is, is what gets me is why they thought Kennedy would be willing to play ball in the first place. As I said, Kennedy was raised of privilege, but he had a blue-collar side. He saw combat. He almost died in combat. His older brother, Joe, who was originally, who Joe Mm -hmm. Sr. was grooming to be president, got killed in a secret mission during World War II. Don't get me wrong. I'm no fan of John Kennedy. I am interested in people that are interesting in history. Yeah. John Kennedy was a flawed man. Well... I mean, we all are, 100%. But I think that, I'm not saying that what he and Hammerschild had in mind is the right idea, but it's interesting to think about. It is, and maybe we should talk about that more, too. The bottom line is, at this time, JFK did not want more people to die needlessly. 
I mean, we've just come through World War II. I mean, you know, you want to read some, I mean, people, they made a movie out of it and things like that. But, I mean, his exploits after PT-109 got, you know, rammed in half, I mean, he already had a messed up back. He took shrapnel during that. And, I mean, and he went, he would go for two or three mile swims to other islands to make sure that, guy, I mean, there was one guy that got burned very badly that JFK basically, you know, carried through the water for like seven miles. Hmm. I mean, the, the again, as as we all are flawed, I mean, I think that in the right time, Kennedy makes the right decisions on some things. He was a patriot. Would you agree? Oh, I, 100%. And that was that was what made him a problem. I, I think so. Because when it, when it came down to it, when there was a conflict and we had the opportunity to take advantage of our of our superior um, intelligence, and I mean data, not sure. You know, you know what I'm saying? Not IQ, but our superior resources, informational resources of global, um, what am I trying to say? Of, of the geographical shifting um, of power that he didn't want to take advantage of it necessarily. He just wanted everybody to live. Sure. I, I think so. And I think that, you know, staring that in the face, again, that, that changes you. I, I, you know, obviously serving in combat, almost dying in combat, helping out his fellow guys on the boat with him. I mean, this is his Paul on the road to Damascus moment, I think. Okay. Okay. I mean, he, he's... He liked the ladies. Oh, absolutely. But he also was an everyman. I think so. But I mean, it, it, put yourself in this position. I mean, it, you're, I'm, I'm not agreeing with his thought processes on stuff, but I mean, dude, I don't know what it's like to be a massive celebrity and, and everyone, yeah. I mean, every, I mean, look at the, think about this. The only reason that Kennedy selected Johnson was so that they would be guaranteed the electoral votes from Texas because Texas was hardcore Democrat. But, I mean, Kennedy does not fit in with what Texas, like, even though he was Democrat, right. Kennedy is a oh, yeah. Massachusetts Yankee. He's a blue blood. Yeah. But you look at the film in Dallas before his assassination. I mean, there's thousands of people that are turned out. Johnson mm-hmm. is not anywhere near that. No. I mean, John Connolly is there in, in the limo. But, I mean, you know, yeah. give or take what, you know, what John Connolly, but throngs of people. Have you ever been to the LBJ um, I have. The, what is it? A, what is His it? library in, yeah, the, in it, Austin? Yes. Um, <laughs> it's ugly. Uh, there's a bunch. And it's a total fabrication. I mean, in the sense of none of the stuff about Johnson that, that was him at his heart. Oh, not at all. Is there. Not, not at all. Lady Bird, yes. Uh, 100%. Yeah, but dang. I will say this. And I'm getting close to the end of my rant, preamble here, whatever like that. And, and I'm, I'll open up for questions because I'm sure that you have some. There have been many books written on the JFK assassination. Everyone has a theory. I don't have a book to shill. Well, not yet. Not yet. But ask yourself this series of questions. What if Alan Dulles had not collaborated with the Nazis and the U.S. does not recruit so many of them into service for the U.S.? This yeah. is Operation Paperclip. Yep. You know, we brought most of these guys here. And that was Dulles? He had part of it. I mean, he, he, okay. part of the OSS and, and part of his machinations while he's... When he was working for, uh, what was that? Sullivan and Cromwell. Yeah. Okay, so when he was working for Sullivan and Cromwell in the mid-30s in Germany, 
there were probably some connections. Yeah, and and there's no question that that I mean, his brother John Foster being the Secretary of State under Roosevelt. I don't remember exactly when that that happened, but uh, there's no question that they were. Con- I mean, even if he's a civilian, he's still working for the government. Yeah. What if Alan Dulles does not work to hide information about the Holocaust while it was underway? Oh, yeah. He did that, too? Yeah. He was covering for Germany? That's sure what it seems. I mean, you, if you dig straight into the facts, it, it, it sure seems that way. Dulles even tried to flip on the president and Russia to make a separate peace with Germany and Italy. That's treason. You can I, I know this. But it's okay if it's the CIA doing this or OSS. Or whoever was pulling his strings at this time. Dude, that's out of control. What if Alan, here's the, let's see even further than this. What if Alan Dulles has not turned the CIA into a secret lawless army and death squad? Oh, yeah. What if all the countries we mentioned earlier were allowed to grow their fledgling democracies? What if Alan Dulles does not allow the CIA to develop torture, rendition, human experimentation, and murder as routine policies? Contrast that with all of this. What if there had not been a Lee Harvey Oswald? doesn't matter. They would have found somebody else that fit the same bill as Lee Harvey Oswald to take the fall. I'll close with this. There is a video on YouTube you can look at. The man's name is Fletcher Prouty, P-R-O-U-T-Y. There are several of them, but this one is a rather long interview. I believe it's two hours on YouTube while it's still there. He was an assistant to Alan Dulles. Prouty states that during Dulles' last few years as CIA director, he was organizing assassinations so regularly and so ruthlessly that the CIA was known as Murder Incorporated. I've heard that. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is, is that neither Dag Hammarskjöld or John Kennedy knew what was at stake when they were trying to do their jobs. Neither could have understood the ruthlessness and the depravity of Alan Dulles. And whoever was pulling his strings. And whoever was pulling his strings. All right, so here's some thinking. Let me have it. Some thinkity thinking. This might sound like craziness, actually. I'm, I'm just prefacing. No, by all means. Um, I, I, I see connections, um, geographical and demographical connections, in, in world events prior to World War II and the decades, the two decades after. Um, having a spiritual element. Of course. Okay. So you've got like, um, we, I think we've talked in a previous uh, podcast about the Armenian genocide uh, in Turkey and the idea that the the Turks basically killed people by walking them in the desert to death. Uh, no food, no water. Right. They just, they basically just eradicated millions of Armenians. And, um, and then the two that mastermind that flee to Germany just prior to World War II, um, where they're ultimately assassinated. And then Germany all of a sudden takes on a very similar mentality toward the Jews. Sure. It rises all the way up to prominence and then ultimately control of the country. And then you get the Nazi movement that uh, starts World War II. Well, I, I will on on that note. I, I will say, and this is in no way defending Germany at the time of the 1930s. The thing is, if you read the treaty that ended World War One, 
they everyone around said we're going to do this again in 20 years. Oh, there's no doubt that World War II is just the second half of World War One. Yes, I mean yeah. we, we paused yeah. because the the conditions that were placed on Germany were punishment. Yeah, not totally punitive. Which is contrasting that to the end of the World War II where the United States rebuilt Germany and Japan and they became world powers, yeah. economic powers, within 40 years. Yeah. And yeah. still are. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your no, thought. No, no, that's fine. It's just I see, I see something. Something from Turkey moves to Germany mm-hmm. and then it flourishes in Germany and it kills millions of Jews, millions of Russians, millions of people all over Europe okay, yes. die because of this spirit. Yep. You that, want to, you want to know something crazy? What? And and, and this is one that is when you say this, I, I tell people this fact all the time and and they look at me like I'm from Mars. Yeah. It was not until 2014 and 2015 respectively that France, the United Kingdom and Germany got back to their pre-World War 1 populations. Isn't that crazy? This is a hundred years lost. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's a good point. Not not on my radar at all, but that's an excellent point. That puts it in perspective, honestly. What, and I mean, and, that, and, what, and that's those only two the, wars cost yes. the world. And that's only the that's only the big three countries. I mean, right. you know, other people were impacted. Belgium. I mean, Poland lost thirty two percent of their population. Yep. Yep. In, in World War II. Russia lost 21 million. In an afternoon in Stalingrad. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> but, but yeah, straight up. I mean, the, the Nazis and, and, the, and the, the Russians ground each other to pulp. They did. They totally did. And um, especially in World War I, in the, the trench warfare, was absolutely horrific. Anyway, all that to say. Well, and, and I'll say this. I skipped this one because I didn't have enough time to do this. But there's yeah. also compelling evidence that, that we may have taken out Patton. At the end of World War II in December. Oh my gosh! To to because Patton's idea was to team up with the Nazis and go wipe out the Russians. But we, again, we couldn't have that. It would have worked, but no, not couldn't have that. Why? But I, Why I, couldn't we take care of communism uh, then? Uh, because maybe we, we wouldn't have an enemy. That's right. I think you're onto something there, Noah. Uh, maybe. I mean, we'll see. Whenever uh, um, I mysteriously try to fly off a sixth floor building or, you know, something like that. <laughs> Take a walk on a balcony. Yeah, exactly. All alone. Um, uh, or maybe uh, maybe if I, uh, yeah, I go up in a balloon, you know, and, and uh, uh, get shot down, something like that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, Don't I'm, make I, any overseas travel plans. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, what I was, what I'm, <laughs> what I'm not doing a very good job of, of laying out is some spirits got control of Germany and lots and lots and lots of humans lose their lives. Absolutely. Um, then during this, 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 I should say pre-war time, Alan Dulles, the Princeton educated, um, no military background, middle manager of resource discovery, uh, comes back to the United States and then establishes himself as Murder Incorporated for the next couple decades. Pretty much. And I'm just thinking, is there a spiritual connection? Did Alan Dulles acquire some kind of spiritual disease while he was in Germany that he then brought back to the United States and was installed in a place of power and was allowed to essentially run his own country within a country? 
because he subverted the UN, he subverted the president, multiple presidents actually, and in a not so subtle way, had the subduing effect of you cross me and you die. Well, if not, if not him specifically, something to the United States, because I mean, look at the last 80 years of our history. Yeah. Okay. We go in and conquer Germany. What have we done since? I mean, we have all these regime changes all over the world that we attempt, but how many, how many people have we, how many people have we killed? I don't know, but this is what I'm, this is, this is what I'm seeing you've presented today. Alan Dulles was a monster. Yeah. And he was enabled because of his position as head of CIA Mm -hmm. to run amok. Yes. And he literally. And uh, when he was challenged, he went, he went to Eisenhower to get McCarthy shoved out of the way. Right. And then when he was challenged again, they shot JFK in national television in broad daylight. How audacious is that? Seriously. Well, I mean, at that point, what are you going to do? I mean, straight up, think about this. What is Lemma Adams or no offense going to do when this man has the audacity to have the most well-known person in the free world, the most powerful person in the free world, shot on national television in front of everybody? Yep. And then ends up on the investigative body that that researches what happened and makes the final report for history. I mean, that certainly is not a conflict of interest in my book. No. What happened to Alan Dulles? I I, I don't know. I I mean, I I really do not know. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, I I, I don't know when he was handed the monkey's paw or, you know, whatever the the secret talisman was. What made him so ruthless? Don't know that either. I mean... Princeton? No, I mean, because the thing is, is that... If you look at John Foster Dulles, his brother, and I'm and I'm not saying that you know brothers can't be different or anything like that, but I mean John Foster Dulles is is uh, pretty well known. I mean he's got an airport named after him. Everyone generally considers him to be a pretty good guy. Yeah, was he Secretary of State? Secretary of State, and in fact, when he was dying of cancer, John Foster, when he was dying of cancer, the one thing that Alan Dulles wanted to be was Secretary of State. I mean this was his ambition. And his brother denied him. Hmm. His brother knew something. I don't know. But it, it, it's just, I, I don't know. This is one of those lesser people in history that had a massive, massive impact on I history. I think he was hiding behind the scenes. He was the wizard, dude, pulling all the levers behind the curtain. He, 100%. He did whatever he freaking wanted to, it sounds like. Anytime that he was tried to be checked, he made sure that that went out of the way. What kind of oversight did he have? None. Man. None. And, and I mean, this is ideal. I mean, right place, right time guy. Why be the Secretary of State if you can be the head of the CIA? 100%. Oh, you don't get credit for it. Again, as you and I have talked, neither one of us are fans of Trump. No. But, okay, it can't be that much power. Everybody already knows Trump's name, even before he ran for president in 2016. Mm-hmm. Why would a billionaire want to take that job? I don't, I don't know. You don't get to sleep. You don't get vacations, even though Biden takes plenty. You, you don't actually get them because you've got work all the time, 24-7. And you are a target for yeah. everyone. In the, and I'm not talking about physically. I mean, in, in every situation. Yeah. You were blamed by one side or the other. Yeah. I mean, just like Kennedy was blamed for Bay of Pigs. Yes. Even though that was totally Alan Dulles. I mean, so I, I don't discount your, your spiritual thought process here because there there has to be something that is pushing Trump to do this. Right. Because on paper, there is absolutely zero reason. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, and granted, I know that Elon Musk could not run for president because he was not born here. He was born in South Africa. Right. But why would he want to be president? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's got his hands full with Twitter. <laughs> well, that and, and Tesla and everything else. But I mean, yeah. but seriously, I mean, why would anyone want to be president? Um, I mean, you have to have some kind of sociopathic, you know, tendencies. I, I, I get that. You've got to be an egomaniac at least. That's a minimum. No argument. Yeah. No, no argument whatsoever. I don't know. There are definitely kingmakers. And there are definitely folks like Alan Dulles pulling strings behind the scenes that make stuff happen. That, that, I, and that's why I've said, I said at the beginning is like I, I don't think that this is something that he could have capably pulled off by himself. No. Princeton or no. Smart or no, there, there, something was motivating that man, and mm-hmm. it was, it was, what's the word I'm looking for? Misanthropic. That's a good one. You know, the joke is, is there are some men that just want to watch the world burn. He didn't roll around in money. I mean, I'm sure that they were, he was made wealthy along the way. Sure. Well compensated. And if I remember right, I mean, it, his, their, their father and grandfather were, I mean, it, it's, you know, typical Washington insiders. Okay. But I mean, he is not necessarily becoming the next Bill Gates or Elon Mm-mm. Musk no. because of what's going on in Indonesia. No. Honestly, it's just a control thing for him. He had a lust looks for like. power. He wanted to be at the core of the the seismic shifts in culture. And I didn't list everybody that we've messed with since the CIA has been around, but I mean, it, it's around, I mean, you would lose count, but it, it's, it's near a hundred of, of the things. And because you, it gets convoluted is like, okay, like with, with Cambodia, I can say, okay, this happened in 58, 59 and 60 mm-hmm. Vietnam. It went on from 1945 until 1970, you know, four or whatever, when we left. Right. So, I mean, it's like, I, I don't know how many attempts were made then, but I mean, we were there for 40 years practically yeah. or 30 yeah. years practically. So that, that's why it's, it's difficult to kind of, you know, have a scorecard for, you know, we're, we've attempted a hundred regime changes. You know, we were successful 15 times and, you know, unsuccessful 85 times. Well, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So maybe all of our democratic leaning friends in the United States should just, just listen for half a second. There is stuff going on behind the scenes that makes America unpopular around the world, and it's not necessarily who's installed as president. Absolutely. And let's also acknowledge that um, Kennedy did not want to send in air power to Cuba and accomplish regime change there um, at the risk of starting World War III. That failure in Cuba, if you can call it that, but that failure of leadership in Cuba then um, tarnished his image in the media who at this point sounds like they're beginning to start taking their cues from the CIA. Well, and what's interesting to me is, is is how a lot of this ends up blowing up in our face over and over again. Yeah. I mean, this, I is, mean, this is a theme. L- let's, let's just walk through one thing right quick. Uh, let's go through Iran, Iraq. Okay. I, I outlined the Iran deal. Okay. We, we overthrow their government, democratically elected government in the 1950s. There's pictures you can find on the internet of Donald Rumsfeld shaking hands with Saddam Hussein because we helped to get him in power there in Iraq. Okay, and then in 1988, Iran and Iraq go to war. We're sponsoring both sides because of the Iran-Contra deal. So, we, you know, and then Saddam 
turns and invades Kuwait in 1990, and then we have to go absolve it out of that one. Something other, just another little cute aside here. You know where Kuwait got its name? No. When the British were mapping the things, that's the grid that it's on. Q8. Oh, no. Yeah, dead serious. Did the people of Kuwait know this? I, I don't know if they do or not, but th- but that's how that's exactly where it came from, is the, the map grid Q8, Kuwait. Oh, my gosh. But anyway. Western imperialism slapping you right upside your face. Everywhere you go. Golly. But what was interesting is, to, and again, I'm not going to try to dig into conspiracies of this or that, but we go in, but we don't take Hussein out because we don't want regime change then. I'm telling you, the more you talk the more I am convinced that there is some kind of spiritual nihilism that spreads like a disease, and it literally is just making humans into animals. There has to be something else. And pitting us against each other so that we will just stay fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Absolutely. not our friend. That no. would be our enemy. Mm-mm. Hmm. Well, I want to do more research on this Swedish UN Secretary General. I want that, to know what Hammer his big show. idea was. The the general consensus is is that uh, the guy that followed him uh, was um, I, be, I believe he was from the Southeast Asia. Uh, his name was Uthant. Okay. Um, the the general consensus is between Hammarskjöld and Thant. The, these were two men that had ideas of of and and are the best Secretary Generals of the UN. Okay, but that's probably not saying much um i mean it's still the u.n well now i mean but we're tainted because we only know it as handout that's not what's tainting me i still have this global spiritual perspective well no i understand I'm thinking it, any, no, any human government that wants to unite the entire world needs to be looked at skeptically of course i i don't necessarily know i mean you know does is Hammerschold a sympathetic figure because he was struck down so young is you know why is Kennedy a sympathetic figure because he was struck down so young? Maybe, yeah, you know, because you know, part of it. There's the potential of what they could have done if the, had they lived. Of course, and um, there's also the the fact that striking someone down should be illegal. Right. I mean, one hundred percent. At the same time, you know, you have the the idea of you do not want any human that has compassion does not want their children or children's children to go through the struggles that they had to go through. Right. I mean, my, my parents were, you know, Great Depression children. And so they did not want my siblings and I to suffer the lack that they had. Right. Now, granted, we didn't, you know, by no means were we wealthy. We did okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't in abject poverty, but we weren't like, very far from it. Mm. And, but y- you don't want that for your children. You don't want the struggles that you had. I mean, and granted, our struggles are relative. Right, right. I mean, because I know that there are people on the planet right now that don't literally don't know where their next meal is going to come from, and they haven't eaten in a while. Absolutely. That's, that's a different kind of existence than mine. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I also, though, recognize that struggles sometimes make the man. Sure, certainly. And so I don't want to put my kids and future generations in a sterile environment. No, you can't go through life in a Nerf suit or bubble wrap. No. I mean, you you have to have adversity. Yep. 
I mean, conflict is a feature, as I've always said. I mean, and I repeat this probably every podcast. I mean, pain is a fantastic instructor. It is. It really is. People just don't want to pay the tuition. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And I think we've even talked about like in other episodes with like the story of the Garden of Eden. You know, people think that was perfect, but they still had nerves that could they could sense pain. Um, I don't know. Anyway, that's probably going to get cut. Did you have other questions about this? Well, I, I have lots of questions, but I think I might need to ruminate on them. First of all, I want to know more about Hammerstolt. And I also want to know what happened to Alan Dulles. Like, what was the rest of the story after he left the Warren Commission? He didn't live very much longer after that. Um, I, in fact, I think he died in 68 or 69. Um, okay. How old I, was he when he died? Um would he have been in his 70s? 70s, I think. I think he was born in the 1890s. Okay. Uh, 70, 78 or something like that. I, I think I remember John Foster Dulles died of cancer at 69. Okay. And I think I think Alan Dulles was, uh, he was a few years younger than John Foster, but I, I believe he died in 68 or 69. So is there anybody in the government that considers Alan Dulles a hero? I'm sure that the CIA holds him in high regard. We need to look into the CIA. I mean, because the, the, actually, you know what? I, I will say this. It's by default because he is the longest serving uh, director of the CIA. Oh, yeah. He set the tone. There's no doubt that he literally laid the pattern out for all forthcoming uh, leaders. And, and and this is where I have a problem with transparency because I don't understand why we are – what, 70 years now removed from Kennedy's assassination? Wow, has it been that long? And they yeah. still won't tell us what oh, happened? No, no, no. That's an excellent point. Thank you for bringing that up. Because Trump said he was going to release that information. Do you remember? Absolutely. And what happened? And it, it didn't, didn't happen. Get released. Why? Yeah. And Biden said the same thing, and it didn't happen. Did something happen in the now your president briefing? That the CIA effectively says, you will not say. Just bring in the DVD, plug in the Zapruder film, <laughs> put it on. Hey, you. The, the, yeah. But, I mean, but, but for but, the grace of God, there go you. But but straight up, what what could be any different? I mean, we have the Twitter files that no one is paying attention to about where the government is subverting specific people. Yeah. With their opinions. There is no doubt that the First Amendment has been violated grotesquely in the last few years. Absolutely. And so, I mean, what would you already know, not just because of of research on this or anything like that, but you knew before we even did this podcast that the CIA was a bunch of sorry, evil bastards. Yes. So releasing the JFK files that say, oh, yeah, the CIA shot him. I mean, everybody from that is almost has to be almost dead by now. Well, I mean, are you watching what's going on with um, Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake in Arizona? Uh, the election is months months ago now. Yeah, but the evidence of corruption and infiltration of drug cartel mm-hmm. money and all kinds of other stuff going into just a simple election of a governor. Yes, you know the CIA is involved in that too. They have to be, and, and, and I'm just saying. It's time. What Kennedy said about splintering them into a million pieces or whatever needs to happen. Yes, we are in a Cold War again with Russia. And it looks like we are with China as well, especially over Taiwan. 
yes, the same three world powers are still struggling for dominance, you know, some hundred years later. But I don't want to repeat the same mistakes. I don't want an Alan Dulles in there turning over democratically elected leaders of other countries. Well, the fortunate thing is you don't have to worry about that. Because if you've seen all of the people that the Senate has brought before them to interview them, every one of these people is a freaking idiot. Well, they're coached. It's it's coached idiocy. No, 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 no. You can't be that stupid. You can't be coached to be that stupid. I don't know, man. No. They all say the same words. No. I mean, I'm sorry. A nom- and granted, this is off the subject, but a nominee that comes up that, that for a federal district judge's position and does not know what Article 2 or Article 5 of the Constitution is, are you freaking serious? No, this is public education at its best. I mean, these people have gone to public what? school. How did she pass law school? Oh, wait, they may not have. It might have been something else. There might have been some quota they needed to fill, and she's not qualified or he's not qualified to be in the position that they're in. Can you think of anyone right now in the government of the United States of America that is unqualified for the job that they hold? Well, just about everybody. Every single cabinet member. Well, not only that, but I mean, there are some senators that have been elected that are unqualified. Okay. There are some representatives that have been elected that are unqualified. Obviously, the the president and the vice president are unqualified. Well, democracy is a gleaming example of human management. But but we don't have democracy. Well, no, no. I'm just saying... Well, you're right. We don't. No, I mean, the democracy is never mentioned in the Constitution. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is our elections are not free. No. Mm-mm. And they, and they haven't been free since 1960, at least. And that is an unsubstantiated claim that I intend to back up that, that That's not unsubstantiated. I mean, you, you can look this up. I mean, Nixon himself wrote about it. Why is it so hard to prove election fraud? Why is it so hard to prove that the CIA is killing people all over the world? I don't think it's hard to prove. It's just what happens to you when you do. So we're a thugocracy. Well, I think that's kind of an insult to the uh, Indian caste that was... Uh, no uh, insult intended. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I know what you're... Goonocracy. Get, I know what you're getting at. I, I, I fully... I, and I completely agree with you. I know exactly what you're getting at. God bless America, man. I'm just saying... We need to quit that. It needs to be somebody's platform that we, I'm not saying that that we should be isolationist. I'm not saying that as a country, we should not secure resources and we should not try to influence other countries to do what is right and good. I don't think we should influence them to do what is right and good for us only. Well, I I think we should, we should be a force of peace in the world. The thing is, is what what we seem to misunderstand is how much of a subtle little push it takes to turn something into something subversive. I mean, something good. Well, I have an example, but it's not a it's not a good example. The happily married man is not going to be taken in by the bombshell at the beach. You know, if she walks up to him and propositions him, he's not that that a, a straight on in your face attack is not going to work. Right. But if she turns it around and is she's modestly dressed and is a damsel in distress, then it's just a subtle shift of, you know. Right. One appears threatening initially and the yes. other one does not. And then, you know, by the time that, you know, and it's like at each step, 
his goodwill can be taken advantage of. And I'm not I, I'm not saying that that she's the evil one here and he's not complicit. Right. Do you you follow what I'm saying? I it's, do. But it's not a, that bad of an example, actually. No, but but a, a, a direct charge you were prepared for. Yep. I mean, it, it's it's the I mean, the whole discussion of, you know, where's your armor? Most of your armor is only on the front mm-hmm. because you're prepared for the direct assault. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the the subtle, you know, within your own camp type stuff that 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 fall that is the the falling of things. Yeah. So that definitely happened to the United States. We were undermined from within. What Alan Dulles was doing as a philosophy in practice all over the world by just keeping it in a constant state of turmoil was happening in the United States too. And I guess he couldn't recognize the fact that he was that turmoil for Kennedy. Well, even before then, I mean, he was there under Eisenhower. He's always been around on the, on the situation. And so I think that it's awful bold of us in the United States to claim that we're helping out others by tearing up their government. Yeah. You know, sort of. By the of, way, sort the of globe like, is on to us, okay? Uh, <laughs> Look at Twitter. Look at look at the folks that I really like, like Eugipius mm-hmm. and, a, and a few others that are out there, and they are totally on to what's going on globally. Yes. With the United States government undermining other governments. Well, and, and at the risk of getting kicked off of this platform and any other platform, I sent you a text message earlier this week asking you, did you remember this question? Do you remember the U.S. Treasury announcing they were giving $4.5 trillion to Citibank, to J.P. Morgan, and to uh, Goldman? I, I don't remember that. This happened... On the 31st of December, 2019. Why did they do that? Well, I don't know, but the thing is, is okay. I can't remember what the exact term is. I have to, I have to go back and look it up. There is a point when that happened. There is something that's traded around treasury. U.S. Treasury bills are traded around all the time. Mm-hmm. All right, because they've been traded so much, it costs more and more money to trade them. It's kind of like why the the government or why the the housing crisis happened in 2007 is because you know you had all these mortgages that were bundled together that were supposedly a good package but the and they the got under sold again and, and again. again and again yes mm-hmm. the tranches got sold and and they were based upon garbage. Mm-hmm. Okay, normally these treasury bills it's like okay, I will pay you 4% interest if you'll take these treasury bills. Okay, because again they're still good they're backed by the U.S. Treasury, but there's so many other people that have pieces of it that it's cost a little bit more to get in the game, 4%. Uh, okay. okay. Right before this happened, it spiked to 10%. You're telling me that it takes 10% of whatever this is worth to get you to play on a Treasury bill that's backed by the United States government? It spiked, I mean, went on a ballistic arc. You can look this up. What's the net result? Well, why would you do that if you didn't, or, or why would you have this in place unless you knew the world economy was going to collapse? 2019. Mm-hmm. In December of 2019. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm old enough to remember when $4.5 trillion was the national debt. Yep. Yep. Not something that you gave away to three banks. Right. Private banks, by the way. So prior to COVID-19. Pandemic. I'll right. go on and say it. Plandemic taking out. I mean, it a million plus people just it, in the United States. It, it, it no telling how many people it killed, but it crushed 
most world economies. Supply chains, fabrication plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I know that I'm off the you know, but I can I can prove this. I can show I can show my work. Somebody, I'm not the I'm not the only one thinking this. Somebody somewhere is pulling all these levers, Noah. Uh, they have to be. Anyway, I mean, I'm just concerned about the world. I'm that I've got to bring up Pickett and Bar Bar in. Well, what else? Word of the day. I have one. Let me have it. All right, let me get my handy dandy definition here. The word of the day is apropos. No, it is, but that's not the word. Is fascism. Fascism. Oh, this is a right-wing word. I've been told this countless so times. Countless times by a- the media. According to the Britannica Dictionary, it's a, it's a noun. Fascism is uh, basically a way of organizing a society in which a government ruled by a dictator controls the lives of the people and in which people are not allowed to disagree with a government. But you know what? That sounds like a lot of, uh, a lot of governments these days. You know, it rem- that reminds me of, of of something you know along the government lines here, and, and I just saw this quote this past week, and it, it is going to become part of my life now. All right, when the arsonist tells you there's going to be a fire, believe him. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you knew this, but the word fascism did not exist before 1919. I would not doubt that it was created. By Benito Mussolini. Kind of like, um, oh, conspiracy theorists didn't appear until the CIA shot John Kennedy. Right, right. Uh, It was just called history. Absolutely. (laughs) It was just called history. And and, and now conspiracy because we, you know, we got to paint it in this amorphous, shadowy colors that make the person talking look crazy. But in reality, the CIA did kill kennedy mm-hmm. all right but I, I gotta go back to your question so so benny comes up with this all on his own totally he came up with it on his own it based on the the roman faces okay okay i think i'm pronouncing that right but his charisma and leadership el duce was so appealing to italy that they allowed him to install himself as a dictator yeah and there were a lot of Italians that thought he was the best thing that ever happened to Italy. Well, I mean, again, they're coming out of World War One. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the, while they were an active participant, they were not a. They were well. Let me say this: they were a belligerent, but they were not a a full on. You know, pin the cause on right Italy being there. Also, several arms manufacturers are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beretta is there, and. Mm-hmm things but you know the the thing that gets me is that benito mussolini was far left correct far left correct and along with nazism right socialism. which is also fascist yes okay um even though benito mussolini coined the term it was also applied to the nazis it was and so Somewhere in the revisionist history of the left wing in the United States, fascism was labeled far right wing. And now if you were to look it up in the dictionary, it would say that. But that is not the case. When it was created by Benito Mussolini in 1919, it was a far left ideology. The reason why it's associated with the right, though, is because it was militaristic and all the hippies of the baby boom age, peace, war, sex, drugs, man. All of those guys that brought us rock and roll 
and all the wonderful things that the baby boomer generation did for America was to confuse the terms. They've been doing it for a long time. But what they effectively did is they assigned a label soldiers equal bad guys. You know, the ones that they spit on when they came back from Vietnam. Military equals conservative equals bad. And that's where fascism became a far right position when its origin and I would say its current state is still extreme far left. Oh, I think without a doubt. I mean, it's amazing to me how revisionist history is allowed to happen. Yeah. I mean, sort of like the Democratic Party being founded by the Ku Klux Klan. No doubt it. No doubt. And even publishing signs of saying whites only, but yet they somehow are the party of the African-Americans, even though it was Abraham Lincoln that wrote the Emancipation Proclamation, even though it was the Republicans that got the 1964 Civil Rights Act passed. Right. But somehow the Republicans are the racist party. See, you just slap a label on it and it makes it true. You know know what's really funny, though, is to watch the who is the warmonger party now? Exactly. Who is we're supporting Ukraine until the very end? Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be the Republicans. No. I mean, how much money have we given there? And we're promising even more. What is Biden over doing over there? What is Janet Yellen? What is Janet Yellen even doing Anyway, well, you always send your treasury secretary to a foreign land that's in a a hot war against Russia. Hot war, my behind. I mean, (laughs) dude, the that whole staged deal with Zelensky and Biden. Are you kidding me? Oh, air raid sirens went off. They were under the threat of attack. The the Secret Service would not have let the plane land if there was even the remotest possibility of some dude with a BB gun right. within 15 miles of where Biden was at. And if Are they would, then they're me. falling down on their job. Right? I mean, give me a break. It is kabuki theater. That's all it is. The, well, everything it is. I mean, everybody being brought up there in front of the Senate, kabuki theater. No okay. one is going to, no one is going, I mean, Merrick Garland got lambasted this week and no one's going to jail. No one's going to be prosecuted. No, no one cares. They're all on the same team. Okay. I've got one last thing I want to share with you. Hit me. And I wanted wanted to share this with you yesterday, and I thought, well, why not just do it on the podcast, okay? There is a dude in Florida right now. Do you you know where I'm going? Not quite sure yet. He has proposed a bill. I saw this. I I know exactly who you're talking about. It's the cancel everybody permanently. Cancel everybody permanently, Bill. And this – y'all, listen – if you are hearing this podcast, please look this up. It is brilliant what this man has done. He has proposed a bill in the state of Florida that would dissolve any organization that has ever supported slavery. Which would be the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party cannot dispute it. No, because facts are the facts. That's right. And so now they're calling him a fascist. Is this not? This is epic levels of trolling. No doubt. No doubt. I hope the bill passes, even though I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's a serious thing. But what he has effectively done is say, here is a mirror. You ugly. Yeah. And they can't dispute it. Anyway. Love it. This was a good, this was a good topic. 
I'm glad that you brought it, and I'm glad that we know a little bit more about Alan Dulles and how the things are connected going back all the way to World War I. And it explains a lot, honestly, about what's going on behind the scenes to create the effects that we see in the news today. What's going on right now is just a continuation of the, the – they're just ripples on the water of the stone Alan Dulles threw, Alan and others like him. And quite frankly, this needs to stop. We need some people in power. We need we the people need to vote representatives into power that will stop this crap. Or the United States will go down forever in history as the biggest, fattest, ugliest bully on the block because that's what we've become. Unfortunately, they know how you voted for the next uh, 25 elections. They know how I have voted for the Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm watching Carrie Lake because she is awesome and she is tenacious and the truth is on her side. I'm convinced. I, I have massive questions about that election. Katie, bar the door. Truth like is coming. I like that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, don't know what we're going to talk about next, but uh, you'll find out soon enough. Take care. Take care.